Hello, I'm Bob Kieser. This is the Son of Man Urantia Project. Today's episode is chapter 43 at the Feast of Dedication. While everyone else was setting up the Pella camp, Jesus took Thomas and Nathaniel and snuck away to Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. This surprised Thomas and Nathaniel. It was not until they had crossed the Jordan at the Bethany Ford that they realized Jesus was going on to Jerusalem. When they did realize this, the two apostles tried every argument they had to try and stop Jesus from going. But Jesus was set. He was determined to go. All he would say to their arguments about the dangers of putting himself into the hands of the Sanhedrin was, I would give these teachers in Israel another opportunity to see the light before my hour comes. The three reached Jericho about 4.30 in the morning and stopped there for the night. The story of the Good Samaritan. That evening, a large group of people showed up to ask Jesus questions about the kingdom. The two apostles answered some of them, and Jesus answered others. At one point, a lawyer, who is there to try and trap Jesus or trick him into saying something wrong, said, Teacher, I want to ask you, just what I should do to inherit eternal life. Jesus said, What is written in the law and the prophets? How do you read the scriptures? The lawyer, knowing what both Jesus and the Pharisees taught, answered, To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, You have answered correctly. If you really do this, it will lead to life everlasting. But the lawyer was not wholly sincere. Wanting to explain himself and hoping to embarrass Jesus, he moved closer to Jesus and said, But teacher, I want you to tell me, just who is my neighbor? The lawyer asked this question because Jewish law defines a person's neighbor as only those who are children of one's own people. Everyone else is considered a Gentile dog. This man knew Jesus did not believe this way, and he was hoping to get Jesus to say something that broke the law. But Jesus knew what the lawyer was trying to do. So to avoid falling into the trap, Jesus told the crowd a story, one that would be especially appreciated by the people from Jericho. Jesus said, A man was walking down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he got robbed. The thieves took his clothes, beat him up, and left him on the side of the road half dead. Soon, a priest who is walking along the way 
saw this wounded man, and he made it a point to cross the road so that he could avoid him as he passed by. Then later, a Levite coming down the road did the same thing. He crossed the road to avoid the hurt man. About this time, a Samaritan came by, and when he saw the man who was hurt, he was moved with compassion. He went over to the man, bandaged up his wounds, massaged his hurts with oil, and satisfied the man's thirst with wine. Then he put him on his donkey, and he brought him back here to the inn. The next day, he gave the innkeeper some money to care for the man and told him that if it came to more than that, he would cover the expenses when he returned. Now, let me ask you, which of these three men turned out to be the neighbor of the man who was robbed? And when the, re- when the lawyer realized that he had fallen into his own trap, he said, he who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do the same. The lawyer worded his answer, he who showed mercy, so he would not even have to say the word Samaritan, which was offensive to the Jews. Jesus forced the lawyer to give him the answer he wanted, but which, if Jesus had said, would have made him guilty of heresy. Jesus both tripped up this dishonest lawyer, while at the same time, both giving his followers a beautiful story and the Jews a clear scolding on their attitude toward other people who were not Jews. This story continues to promote brotherly love to all of the people who believe Jesus' gospel. At Jerusalem, Jesus had gone to the Feast of Tabernacles to deliver the gospel to people from all across the Roman Empire. Now, he was going to the Feast of Dedication for just one purpose, to give the Jewish leaders another chance to see the light. The main event to happen during these few days in Jerusalem occurred Friday night at Nicodemus's house. Gathered around were about 25 Jewish leaders who were now following Jesus. Fourteen of them who were former members of the Sanhedrin. Eber, Matadormus, and Joseph of Arimathea were also at the meeting. All of these people were educated men, and they and the apostles were amazed at the depth of Jesus' remarks. Not since the times of his teaching in Rome, Alexandria, and the Mediterranean islands had he shown such a grasp of humanity's earthly and religious affairs. These guys were there to advise Jesus about his idea of trying to convert the other members of the Sanhedrin. Jesus listened to all that they had to say, but he knew that none of their plans would work. He figured that most of those leaders would never accept the gospel. 
but he was going to give them all one more chance to change their minds. When the meeting broke up, the men who had come to advise Jesus all left mystified by his personality, charmed by his grace, and, well, in love with the man. But when Jesus, Thomas, and Nathaniel left to camp out on the Mount of Olives, Jesus still had not yet decided on how he was going to get the Sanhedrin's attention again. Thomas and Nathaniel did not sleep much that night. They were too amazed by everything they had heard at Nicodemus' house. The night before, the men who had been or who were still members of the Sanhedrin had offered to go with Jesus to speak to them. But Jesus said, No, my friends, it would serve no purpose. You would multiply their anger against you, but you would not in the least lessen the hatred that they have for me. Go, each of you, about the Father's business like the Spirit leads you to do, while I once more bring the kingdom to their notice in the way that the Father may direct. Healing the Blind Beggar The next morning, Jesus, Thomas, and Nathaniel went to Martha's house in Bethany for breakfast. Then they immediately went to Jerusalem. This Saturday morning, as Jesus and his two apostles were walking to the temple, they ran into a well-known beggar, a man who had been born blind, sitting at his usual place. Although the beggars did not ask for and they did not get charity on the Sabbath, they were still allowed to sit in their normal places. Jesus paused in the road, and as he looked at this man who had been born blind, he got an idea on how to get the Sanhedrin to again take notice of his mission on earth. As Jesus stood there before the blind man, deep in thought, Nathaniel, who had been wondering about what caused this man's blindness, asked Jesus, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, so that he would be born blind? Nathaniel asked this question because the rabbis taught that all cases of people being born blind was caused by sin. Not only were children conceived and born in sin, but a child could be born blind as punishment for some specific sin committed by his father. The Jews even taught that the kid itself might sin before it was born. They also taught that de birth defects could be caused by some sin or other excess that the mother does while she's pregnant. Also, throughout all of these regions, the people still had an enduring belief in reincarnation. The older Jewish teachers, along with Plato, Philo, and many of the Essenes, tolerated the theory that men could get in one incarnation the reward or punishment for what they had done in a previous existence.
In other words, in one life, they were paying the sins or paying for the sins that they did in past lives. Jesus found it hard to get men to understand that their souls did not have past lives. Now, even though this seems contradictory, while being born blind was supposed to be the result of the person having sinned, the Jews also believed that it was highly commendable to give charity to these beggars. It was even the blind beggar's custom to constantly chant to the people as they walked by, O tender-hearted, gain merit by assisting the blind. Jesus discussed this case of blindness with Thomas and Nathaniel, not only because he had already decided to use this blind man to get to Sanhedrin's attention, but also because he always urged his apostles to look for the truth behind natural or spiritual events. He had warned them many times against simply thinking that something mystical was behind normal everyday events. Before he answered Nathaniel's question, and before he did anything with the blind man, whose name was Josiah, Jesus said, This man did not sin, and neither did his parents. God did not make him blind. It was just the natural course of events. But now we must do the Father's will while it is still daylight, because it will be impossible to do the work we are going to do when night comes. When I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But in only a little while, I will not be with you. After Jesus said this, he said to Thomas and Nathanael, Let us give this man back his sight on this Sabbath day, so that the scribes and Pharisees have all the reason they need to accuse the Son of Man. Jesus said this loud enough for the blind man to hear him. Then, bending over, Jesus spit on the ground and mixed his saliva with the clay soil into a paste. Jesus then went over to Josiah and put the clay paste over his eyelids, saying, Go, my son, and wash away this clay in the pool of Siloam, and immediately you will have your sight. And when Josiah went and washed the clay away in the pool of Siloam, he returned to his friends and family, able to see. Since Josiah had always been a beggar, he knew nothing else. So, after the initial excitement wore off, he went back to his usual place for begging. His friends, neighbors, and everyone else who had known him all of his life said, Is this not Josiah, the blind beggar? Some said that it was, while others said, No, it is one like him, but this man can see. But when they asked Josiah himself, he said, I am he. When they asked him how come he could see, he said, 
a man named Jesus walked by. When he was talking about me with his friends, he made clay with his spit, put it over my eyes, and told me to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. I did what he told me, and immediately I could see. And that was only a few hours ago. I do not know yet what much of what I see means. And when the people who had gathered around asked him where they could find this strange man who had healed him, Josiah could only say he did not know. This was one of the strangest of all of Jesus' miracles. This man did not ask for healing. He did not know that the Jesus who had told him to wash in Siloam and who had promised him his sight was the prophet of Galilee who had preached in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. This man had little faith that he would be able to see. But the people back then did have a lot of faith in the power of the spit of a holy man. After hearing Jesus talk with Thomas and Nathaniel, Josiah decided that his would-be helper was a great man, maybe even an educated teacher or a prophet. So, he did as Jesus told him to do. Jesus used the clay in the spit and told him to wash in the symbolic pool of Siloam for three reasons. First, this was not a miracle that happened because of the person's faith. This was a wonder that Jesus chose to do for his own reason. But he chose to do it in such a way that the man would get lasting benefit from it. Second, since the blind man had not asked for healing, and since his faith was so little, Jesus had him do material acts to encourage him, because Josiah did believe in the superstition that spit had power, and he knew the pool of Siloam was a semi-sacred place. But he would not have gone there if he had not needed to wash the clay out of his eyes. There was just enough ceremony about this whole deal to get him to do something. Third, but Jesus also had a third reason for using material means in this event. This was a miracle done purely by his own choosing. And in this way, he wanted to teach his followers then and in all later ages to not neglect or put down earthly or material ways of healing the sick. He wanted to teach them that they must do away with the idea that miracles were the only way to heal someone. Jesus gave this man his sight by working a miracle on this Sabbath morning in Jerusalem and near the temple for the primary reason of making an open challenge to all of the Jewish leaders. This was his way of announcing an open break with the Pharisees. 
Jesus was always positive in everything he did, and he started those talks that made the Pharisees notice his miracle. Josiah before the Sanhedrin. By noon, Jesus healing Josiah had caused such a ruckus in the temple that the Sanhedrin decided to hold council in their normal meeting place. Now doing this violated their standing rule that forbid the Sanhedrin from meeting on the Sabbath. Jesus knew that one of the main charges against him was going to be breaking the Sabbath by healing the blind man. And he wanted it to work out that the Sanhedrin themselves were breaking their own self-imposed law by trying him on the Sabbath. But the Sanhedrin did not call Jesus before him, before them. They were, they were afraid. Instead, they sent for Josiah. After some initial questioning, the spokesman for the Sanhedrin, there were, there were about 50 of them present, told Josiah to tell them what had happened to him. Since his healing that morning, Josiah had learned from Thomas, Nathaniel, and others that the Pharisees were mad about him being healed on the Sabbath and that they were likely to make trouble for everyone involved. But Josiah did not yet realize that Jesus was the person who was called the Deliverer. So, when the Pharisees questioned him, he said, This man came along, put clay on my eyes, told me to go wash in Siloam, and now I can see. One of the older Pharisees, after making a long speech, said, this man, cannot be, this man cannot be from God because he does not observe the Sabbath. He violates the law, first by making the clay and then by sending this beggar to wash in Siloam on the Sabbath. This kind of man cannot be a teacher sent by God. Then one of the younger men, who secretly believed in Jesus, said, If this man is not sent by God, how can he do these things? We know that a person who is a common sinner cannot do such miracles. We all know this beggar, that he was born blind, and that he now sees. Will you still say that this prophet does all of these wonders? by the power of the prince of devils? And for every Pharisee who dared to accuse and denounce Jesus, another one would stand up to ask hard and embarrassing questions. A serious divide formed between them. The presiding officer saw that the direction they or saw the direction that they were heading in, and in order to calm everyone down, he decided to question the man himself. Turning to Josiah, he said, What do you think about this man, this Jesus, that you claim opened your eyes? And Josiah answered, I think he is a prophet. The leaders were really upset, and not knowing what else to do, 
they decided to send for Josiah's parents to find out if he actually had been born blind. They were unwilling to believe that the beggar had been healed. It was well known in Jerusalem that not only was Jesus not allowed in the synagogues, but neither were the people who believed in him. They were all kicked out of the congregation of Israel. And this meant that they were denied any and all rights and privileges that came with being a Jew. So, when Josiah's poor and fear-ridden parents showed up before the Sanhedrin, they were afraid to speak freely. The spokesman for the court said, Is this your son? And do we understand correctly that he was born blind? If this is true, how is it that he can now see? And then Josiah's father, backed up by his mother, said, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But how it is that he can now see, or who it was that opened up his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of legal age. Let him speak for himself. The Sanhedrin called Josiah up in front of them a second time. Their scheme of holding a formal trial was not going well, and some of them were starting to feel strange about doing this on a Sabbath. So, when they called Josiah this time, they tried to trap him with a different type of attack. The officer of the court spoke to the former blind man and said, Why do you not give God the glory for this? Why do you not tell us the whole truth about what happened? We all know that this man is a sinner. Why do you refuse to see the truth? You know that both you and this man stand convicted of breaking the Sabbath. Will you not make up for your sin by admitting God is your healer if you still claim that your eyes have been opened today? But Josiah was neither dumb nor lacking in humor. So he said, Whether this man is a sinner, I do not know. But I do know one thing, that I was blind and that now I can see. And since they could not trap Josiah, they continued to question him, asking, Just how did he open your eyes? What did he actually do? What did he say to you? Did he ask you to believe in him? Josiah, now starting to get impatient, said, I have told you exactly how it all happened. If you do not believe my testimony, why do you want to hear it again? By any chance, do you also want to become his disciples? When Josiah said this, the Sanhedrin broke into confusion, almost turning violent. And the leaders, mad now, rushed up to Josiah and said, You may talk about being this man's disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses, and we are the teachers of the laws of God. We know that God spoke through Moses. 
But as for this man Jesus, we do not know where he comes from. Then Josiah stood up on a stool and shouted to everyone, saying, Listen up, you who claim to be the teachers of all of Israel. Well, I tell you that here is a great mystery. Because you confess that you do not know from where this man comes, and yet you are certain from the testimony that you have heard that he opened my eyes. We all know that God does not do such things for the ungodly, that God would do such a thing only at the request of a true worshiper, one who is holy and righteous. You know that not since the beginning of the world have you ever heard of anyone who was born blind having their eyes opened. Look now, all of you, at me and realize what has happened today in Jerusalem. I am telling you, if this man was not from God, he could not do this. And as the Sanhedrin left angry and confused, they shouted at him. You were born in sin, and now you presume to teach us? Maybe you were not really born blind, and even if your eyes were opened on the Sabbath day, this was done by the power of the prince of devils. And they went at once to the synagogue to cast out Josiah. Josiah entered this trial not knowing much about Jesus, his mission, or the nature of his healing. Most of his daring testimony that he so cleverly and courageously used against Israel's highest court came to him as the trial unfolded in such an unfair way. Teaching in Solomon's Porch While the Sanhedrin were breaking the Sabbath law holding their hearing in one of the temple courts, Jesus was close by teaching in Solomon's porch. He was hoping to get called before them so that he could tell them the good news of the joy and liberty of divine sonship in the kingdom. But they were afraid to send for him. They were always thrown off by Jesus' sudden public appearances in Jerusalem. The very chance that they had wanted so much Jesus now gave them, but they were afraid to bring him before the court, even as a witness, and they were even more afraid to arrest him. This was midwinter in Jerusalem, and the people were gathered under the partial roof over Solomon's porch to stay warm. As Jesus hung out there, the crowd started to ask him a lot of questions and he ended up teaching them for over two hours. Some of the Jewish leaders tried to trap him by publicly asking him, How long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, why do you not plainly tell us? And Jesus said, I have told you about myself and my father many times, but you will not believe me. Can you not see that the works I do in my Father's name bear witness for me? 
but many of you do not believe because you do not belong to my fold. The teacher of truth attracts only those people who hunger for the truth and who thirst for a virtuous life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And to all who follow my teaching, I give eternal life. They will never die, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given me these children, is greater than all, so that no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. The Father and I are one. Some of the unbelieving Jews ran over to where they were still building the temple to pick up rocks to throw at Jesus. But the believers held them back. Jesus continued teaching. Many loving works I have shown you from the Father. Now, I want to know which one of those good works makes you want to stone me. And one of the Pharisees said, We would not stone you for any good work, but instead for blasphemy, speaking against God, because you, who are only a man, are daring to say that you are equal with God. And Jesus answered, You charge the Son of Man with blasphemy because you refused to believe me when I told you that I was sent by God. If I do not do the works of God, do not believe me. But if I do do the works of God, even though you do not believe me, I would think that you would believe the results. But so you can be certain of what I say, let me again state that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father, and that as the Father lives in me, so will I live in everyone who believes in the gospel. And when the people heard these words, a lot of them ran out to get rocks to throw at him again. But he left through the temple precincts. Jesus met Thomas and Nathanael, who had been listening in on the Sanhedrin's trial, and he waited with them near the temple until Josiah came out of the council chamber. Jesus and the two apostles did not go looking for Josiah at his house until they heard that he had been cast out of the synagogue. When they went to his house, Thomas called for him to come out into the yard. And Jesus, speaking to him, said, Josiah, do you believe in the Son of God? And Josiah answered, Tell me who he is, so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have both seen and heard him, and it is he who is talking to you now. And Josiah said, Lord, I believe. And falling down, he worshipped. When Josiah learned that he had been cast out of the synagogue, he was at first really upset. But he was greatly encouraged when Jesus said that he should get ready to go immediately with them to the camp at Pella. This simple-minded man of Jerusalem 
had indeed been cast out of a Jewish synagogue. But now, watch the creator of a universe, leading him forth to become associated with the spiritual nobility of that day and generation. And now Jesus left Jerusalem. He would not return again until near the time when he was prepared to leave this world. With Josiah and the two apostles, Jesus went back to Pella. And Josiah proved to be one of the people who received Jesus' miracles and who turned out to be fruitful, becoming a lifelong preacher of the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, everyone, that's it for chapter 33 at the Feast of Dedication. Coming up in a few days is chapter 44, The Parian Mission Begins. Defend liberty. Protect the innocent ones. Find some way to serve man for the sake of God. Bobby Kieser, out here.